With a country divided, the republic at risk, and morality being redefined, it's time to gather around the campfire, get back to basics, and spark the revival that this country so desperately needs. This is the American Campfire Revival with Kirk Cameron. What do you think is the greatest history book ever written? Um, you might think of something you read in school, one of your favorite books, or maybe you were like me and weren't really a big fan of history because it was boring. A lot of history classes are taught by, I don't know, it just seems like by books that are just filled with facts and dates, facts and dates, facts and dates. It's just, it doesn't have a lot of flavor. It doesn't have a lot of color. And, and, and then you got the test on Friday. So you're just trying to like memorize the answers to the test and you never really get into the drama of the story of his story. The greatest kinds of history books are the ones that are written from the perspective of, of someone's personal viewpoint. Like if you want to learn about, about uh, what it was like in, in, in Nazi Germany, you want to read Anne Frank. If you want to learn what it was like to, uh, well, if you want to know what it was like to be on the set of Growing Pains, uh, don't read a book that has a bunch of facts and dates. That can be boring. Talk to me. I was there. I know what it's like. And I can tell you what it was like to uh, play practical jokes on Ben and Carol behind the scenes when nobody was looking. I can tell you how I stole the keys from the wardrobe department and his car and drove it into Fantasy Island. I can tell you what it was like to go from being an atheist to a person who believed in God and what it was like to be sort of uh, mocked uh, in Hollywood for becoming a man of faith. You want to talk to the guys who have been there. So the greatest history book that's ever been written in the history of the world is this book right here, the Bible. The Bible. Here's why. Because it was written by the one who was there for all the history of the world. He was there when the world came into existence. He was there in the garden. He was there during the flood. He was there in, in, in Persia. He was there in Babylon. He was there in Israel. He was there witnessing all of these things. And more than that, he was authoring the story so that it would accomplish the purposes of his great idea. And his great idea is liberty and truth. The Bible is the greatest history book ever written. And from time to time, the one who was there used individual people who were living in the middle of his story as his agents and mouthpiece to communicate the stories from the very, from the first person, from the first perspective. That's why it's such a great, great book. All right, I'm going to, I'm going to read to you from this uh, email from Leo. Uh, if you want to check out again, another one of my secret sources of wisdom, uh, another one of my, um, my, 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 personal Gandalfs with wisdom for the journey. Uh, on Facebook, you can just check out uh, at the Jenny, the Jenny, T-H-E-J-E-N-N-E-Y, at the Jenny. And uh, you'll see one of my favorite uh, men and women there who give me great truths and the real story about the pilgrims. So check this out. Uh, if you want to make history boring, again, just make it all about Facts and dates, facts and dates. But if you want to make it really interesting, be like, be like, 
read the story about the Philistines, not from a historian, but from David himself, who fought Goliath. He was there. He knows what the Philistines were like. And from the the prophet Samuel, not simply from dates and from facts. And we can learn about the ancient empire of Babylon. And we can learn about it in the Bible through the eyes of Daniel, who was thrown into the pit in the lion's den. Can you imagine the fear, the terror that must have have, uh, overwhelmed him? But then he had such faith in God that calmed his fears. Wouldn't you want to hear from him rather than a bunch of facts and dates? And Esther, who was crowned queen, and and she uh, was there at just the right time to save Mordecai and, and to see the whole plans of the wicked fall right upon their own heads and save her own people the Jewish people, and Nehemiah, who was there to repair the wall, and and Ezra, we learn best from people who are in the midst of the story. And if we want to know about the history of the world, we look to the Bible, written by the one who was there for all of it. Listen to what Abraham Lincoln said about the Bible. He said, I believe that the Bible is the very best gift God has ever given to man, all the good from the savior of the world is communicated to us through this book. All the good of the savior of the world is communicated through that book. And all the good of the savior of the world is all about the the liberator, the one who came, came to set captives free and grant you and I freedom and liberty. Liberty inside from the things that bind us and, and keep us uh, in prison in our, in our heads and in our hearts and to set us free externally from, from prisons and gulags of tyrannical governments. All of this is happening and working itself out in time and space from the inside out like we talked about last night. And the Bible gives us this story. Now the history of America, Leo says, is, uh, is God's story where he shows through people like the people we've been talking about, that this is a Christian nation and where we see the hand of providence guiding our forefathers and mothers and founding fathers and mothers and continues through history. You see, when we say that that America is a Christian nation, we don't mean that everybody in America is Christian and you don't even have to be a Christian to be in America. There's lots of people here who actually uh, hate Christianity and you're welcome to live here. But... The people who actually built this place and, and fought and won the liberty that we have, they were there when they made it. And what they said is the foundation, the structure, the framework for this country, the United States of America, and for liberty to continue is, is essentially bound to the principles of the Judeo-Christian worldview. Hey guys, it's Kirk here. Did you know that another option to traditional insurance even exists out there? I get that it may come as a surprise since we're so conditioned to think traditional insurance is our only option, but that's simply not true. My family has been using Christian healthcare ministries over the last several years, and I cannot recommend them enough to other like-minded believers looking to do things differently than what we've been told to do. CHM is the faith-based alternative to insurance. And most importantly, with CHM, 
we know that our money is going to help other fellow Christians when they're in need. And this is how we like to steward our dollars when it comes to healthcare. Are you tired of your healthcare the same old way and want to do things the better way? I highly recommend you start by checking out CHM and see if this is an option that could work for your family's healthcare. It does for ours. It's not harder, but it's different in the best way. Learn more today by visiting chministries.org forward slash Kirk Cameron. Again, that's chministries.org forward slash Kirk Cameron. The principles in the Bible. If you take those away, you will no longer have an America where it is the land of the free and the home of the brave. This is a Christian nation in its very framework. The fact that we elect our officials, the fact that we split up the three uh, branches of power, the executive, the legislative, and the judicial, the values that we have, and this idea of self-government under God. Those are the essentials that make America so unique, as told to us by the people who were there that built the place. Listen to these words by Daniel Webster, not Webster's Dictionary Webster, but Daniel Webster, a great uh, statesman. He said, history is God's providence in human affairs. He is a part of it to triumph over error. Yes, how great is that? God is a part of history. He, His story is part of your story, or, or maybe we should say our story is part of history, his story. God is in the midst of your family story triumphing over error and evil. He is in your personal story and in our national story triumphing over evil and over error. That's the story he's telling. And to assign to the actors, that's you and me, the actors in great events their proper places. You see, it's like Shakespeare said, all the world is a stage. God is the author, director, and producer of the great play. The play is all of history, and you and I are actors in his play. And, and the great events that are taking place are happening in our day right now. Wars, famines, prosperity, elections, revivals, and he has assigned our places on the stage. I'm supposed to be right here in Southern California. You're stationed right where you are. You are on your mark. And you've got your role to play in the great events that are taking place right now. Governs in the affairs of men. God is absolutely essential for the success of our personal life and our national life. Listen to these words from... Um, from President John F. Kennedy. Before he was assassinated, he had written a, a speech and he didn't get to deliver this part, uh, unfortunately, but listen to what uh, it says. He says, we are in this country, in this generation by destiny rather than choice, the watchmen on the walls of world freedom. We ask therefore that we may be worthy of our power and responsibility. Notice those two things go together. With power comes responsibility. We must be worthy to wield it responsibly so that we may exercise our strength with wisdom and restraint. That's that fruit of the spirit. We've got to have self-control and we've got to have wisdom or we're not capable of handling our strength rightly. 
and that we may achieve in our time and for all time, that's for our kids and grandkids too, the ancient vision of, quote, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. That's that Christmas spirit of, of peace on earth and goodwill toward men that should permeate all year long. He says, that must always be our goal, not just at Christmas time, but all year long. For as it was written long ago, except the Lord keep the city. Now he's quoting the Bible, the greatest history book ever written. He said, unless the Lord keeps the city, the watchman watches in vain. The Bible also first says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless your house is built on godly principles, you're working for something that's going to fall down and crash and you're going to lose it. Because God's world, his world works in such a way that your house only stands when it's built on the right foundation. And here, here he says, except the Lord keeps the city. So first you build the city. Our fathers, our founding fathers and mothers did that. They built this American city. But unless the Lord keeps the city, protects the city, guards the city, then the watchman on the wall watches in vain. The watchman in the Old Testament was the one who was watching on the top of the wall for the enemy to come. And if there was danger, he was to sound the alarm and let everybody know the danger is coming so that they can prepare to fight and defend themselves. But he's saying, if the Lord's not keeping watch over your city, if the Lord's not guarding and protecting you, because he's taken his, his hand of protection off of you, you're watching for the enemy in vain. There's nothing you can, you can do. They're going to overwhelm you. And so... That's what we've got to take to heart in our time right now. We had godly ancestors who built the house according to the Lord's architecture. Where all men are created equal with liberty and justice for all. Those are the ideals. We have struggled to live up to them, but they gave us the right structure and format and values, and now it is our job to keep it, and we must have the Lord helping us guard it, or we watch for our enemies in vain. I talked to a friend named Luke McDonald this morning who uh, just started a brand new church, and he said, you know, Kirk, I think the future is local. We can also often feel powerless to do things on a national level. You know, we get on social media, and we can, we can uh, scream and yell about bad things happening, but you know what? We can make a much bigger difference when we take care of our neighbors, the person across the street, three doors down, someone who just went through a divorce, somebody who can't pay their rent. We can make a huge difference because I think the future is local. I think revival is first of all personal and then it's local. It's in your family. God, give us personal revival. Give me personal revival. Give, revive my family. Revive my marriage. Revive my children. Set a fire in their heart for you and for your, for your word. The greatest book ever written. Give them a, a love and a passion for the, for the gospel, which can set us free. God, revive our neighbors and our communities. Revive our local churches. God, if we do this everywhere, if each of us takes a stand like Nehemiah at our position, and we guard the wall 
and we have a revival in our heart, listening for your voice. We do that everywhere. We can, we can repair the old paths. We can, we can rebuild the great city shining on a hill for the world to see. With your help, Lord, it can be done because your story is about victory, triumphing over evil. Let it be, Lord, and let it come soon. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So great to be with you here tonight and uh, have a great time with your family. Really look forward to seeing you again. Thank you for listening to the American Campfire Revival Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. If you'd like to learn more and join the movement, visit KirkCameron.com.